This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA Media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome to the War Room. It's Natalie Winters filling in for Stephen K. Bannon on today, September 19th, year of our Lord, 2023. We are really, I, I think at war, I think it's fair to say that. The news cycle is coming in very hot, firing on all cylinders. We have Ed Dowd joining us to talk about some very interesting COVID numbers coming out of the UK and, of course, the boosters. But we also have breaking news coming out of the Hill. Uh, we have failed to advance the defense appropriations rule. And as Steve said on Getter, and I echo the sentiment, yet another victory. This victory, of course, coming on the heels earlier today, House leadership being forced to scrap what was the rules vote on this horrendous CR, which we will get into in a little bit. I believe Representative Rosendale, who is one of the heroes that helped sink uh, this defense appropriations rule. I think he should be joining us in studio shortly, maybe in the next block. But in the meantime, uh, Ed Dowd, of course, I think a, a fan favorite of the show. Um, there's some stunning new numbers out of the UK that has to do with disability, uh, potentially COVID vaccines. Uh, I won't bury the lead there. I'll let you talk about it. Um, but I'd love if you could walk the audience through these new numbers. I know you have some charts. Um, before we get into the booster discussion. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on again, Natalie. This this uh, report we just dropped yesterday builds on our uh, UK disability report, which showed horrendous, you know, multi-standard deviation, black swan events, and all sorts of body systems. So this time we honed in on cardiovascular because that, that causes sudden death a lot of the time. And we wanted also to, you know, put to rest this uh, the, the the celebrities we see dropping, the people on the football field and the, and, the, and the college athletes, they all claim it's anecdotal. But we now have um, a report that we dropped on our website, a 22-page report, where we uh, analyze uh, a couple different databases and we found a signal in cardiovascular deaths in the UK. And on chart one, I just want to show you the trend line historically. So that was cardiovascular deaths per 100,000 in the UK. And it was, uh, the trend was going down. It had dropped 20% from 2010, which is a good thing. Uh, it did rise in 2020 uh, from about 8 uh, per 100K to 9. Then it rose to 10. And, uh, and we're using adjusted uh, cardiovascular deaths for 21 and 22. Uh, the uh, rose to 10 and then 11 in 2022. So you can see we're well off trend and it's accelerating. And I want to sh show uh, chart uh, two to show, put some numbers on this. Uh, so this is the percent increase from, uh, from the, the trend. So it's excess cardiovascular deaths. Uh, you can see that it was up about um, 44% in uh, 2022, 30% in 21, and 13% in 20. So cardiovascular deaths did start in 2020 but the signal continues to increase. The standard deviation here 
is uh, abhorrent. This is how we measure uh, things that have gone off the rails. It, it was a three standard deviation in 2020. Still not crazy, but you know something to take note. Went to a seven and a half standard deviation in 21, and it stands at ten and a half standard deviations in 2022. And for your audience that doesn't understand statistics. Uh, let me just get, put some numbers on this that might might shed light. So it's a probability around an average of, of an event occurring. So to give you an idea of what a 3.8 standard deviation means, that's the chance of you getting hit by lightning once in your lifetime. So that's kind of very rare, getting hit by lightning once in your lifetime. So we have standard deviations of 10 and a half here. So this is what we call a strong, strong signal in science and finance, and it warrants an investigation at the very least. Obviously, you know my stance on this. It's caused by the vaccine, the COVID mRNA vaccines, and uh, it's, it's, I think, a problem that needs to be investigated immediately. We just had Epoch Times come out with a report that the CDC received warnings from Israel that there was incidents of myocarditis along with the Pfizer vaccine. They ignored those warnings. And here we are uh, today showing strong signals. Uh, on the final chart, chart three, I just want to kind of give you the way we're, we're looking at this. There was a, a Swiss paper, that sh uh, a Swiss study that we're referencing that showed an incident rate per uh, 100K of 2,800 mild, mild, they call it mild myocarditis. So that's what we call the market available for future death and disability. And the numbers we show down below are what we observed in the UK per 100,000. So just to have some fun and, and size the market, because that's what I do, did as a portfolio manager, we, we tried to figure out what the market size was. Uh, if you take uh, this age group and the population of the UK and the age group within it, it's about 650,000 people potentially uh, a market size, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say that it is mild uh, myocarditis, which I know a lot of doctors will scoff at, and say that only 10% of those 650,000 end up uh, developing problems. That's a that's a total available market for death and disability, future death and disability of 65,000 individuals in that age group, and we're being generous when we say 65,000. So this is the kind of stuff we're looking at at Finance Technologies. And eventually, we're going to be able to predict these types of incidences. And we, you know, at some point, we'll monetize this and sell it to insurance companies, help them with their actuarial tables. You know, we said we didn't want the cure to be worse than the disease, but I think these numbers really beg the question, you know, was the cure meant to be the disease? Uh, and it seems like a lot of the statistics, the studies that, of course, the mainstream media won't report on sort of indicates that. But walk me through why exactly you say that you think these numbers are so intimately linked to the COVID-19 vaccines, to the mRNA technology. And if that's the case, why do we continue to see not just the federal government here subsidizing, but a continued mass rollout? Now we have the new COVID-19 boosters being uh, set up and sold and, and based not sold, but given to you. Uh, I'm sure they'll mandate them soon enough. Um, but across the country, how do you sort of reconcile these two conflicting viewpoints? So, you know, from early on uh, in my discovery and journey, the smoking gun for me has always been, it's been detrimental to your health to be employed uh, uh, in, in the U.S. in terms of disabilities and uh, excess uh, deaths. Traditionally, before the COVID vaccines, uh, 
uh, the, the employed of the country had the, the best health outcomes. That all flipped in 21 and 22. They have higher excess mortality, and it's shifted from old to young. So young people are not expected to die, and they're dying in very large numbers uh, compared to historical norms. So for me, that's been the smoking gun. There's another smoking gun in the UK where children 1 through 14 uh, had their excess death rate go down in 2020 and 2021 because accidental death is the largest cause there. Then mysteriously, when they released the vaccine for the age group in the fall of uh, 21, uh, excess death rates went up. And they're now uh, standing at 22% on our new annualized 2023 numbers. So they had negative excess death. The cure comes in. Now children 1 through 14 are dying excessively. So that's why I blame the vaccines. And, you know, again, uh, there's crickets on this front. There's crickets on the excess deaths, the disabilities, and the injuries. And I think I know why, because it's we're in cover-up mode. And to your point about boosters, this is just more of the same. I saw this kind of behavior uh, on Wall Street. Enron was telling folks all the way down to zero that everything was fine, uh, and they didn't stop until they were put in handcuffs. I know investors that wrote it down to zero because they were had access to the CEO and CFO and trusted these people. So here we have our institutions, health institutions, who are pretending nothing's going on, and they have to because for them to, to not approve the booster would call into question all the past. So they're going forward with a booster, which even on its on the face of it's a joke because it doesn't even inoculate you against the current variants. It's for a variant that doesn't exist in nature anymore. They authorized it under the EUA, so they didn't have to do any testing, and apparently they tested it on either four or ten mice. I, I see conflicting reports, but it's mice, not people. So here we are yet again uh, with people wanting to take and push boosters. The good news is, is that Pfizer came out a couple days ago and said that COVID sales look weak and they don't expect a great booster uptake. So the stock went down and Moderna stock went down as well. They were expecting 24% booster uptake. I don't think that's going to, I think that number is uh, dismally optimistic. The last booster uptake was 17% for the bivalent. I think this is going to fail miserably because word of mouth is spreading despite any mainstream media um, acknowledgement or institutional acknowledgement by the health authorities. That's the good news. We've been telling you this since I think day one of the rollout of these vaccines, that the studies, the science isn't there to prove it. But of course, their response to that was trust the experts. But again, we're in the position where we didn't necessarily want to be right. But unfortunately, I guess we are. And the data continues to vindicate us again, not something we want to be vindicated on. Ed Dowd, thank you so much for joining us. We have someone who just crashed the war room, Representative Rosendale. So I got to let you go, Ed. But if people want to find you, where can they go to get you on social media and stay up to date with all the reports? Thanks for having me on. I'm on Twitter at Dowd Edward, D-O-W-D Edward. I'm getter at Edward Dowd. And go to financetechnologies.com, spelled with a P-H instead of an F. We have all of our research there. At this point, it's a devastating summary of what's happened globally, and uh, hopefully it'll be used uh, for court cases and uh, other, other uh, uh, novel uh, uses as well. Thank you, sir. Have a good one.
now. I have to say, the war room has become a lot more fun recently because the you, bunker. <laughs> you the and all bunker. your colleagues, right? You guys now come in studio, so it's it's fun. It's the only safe place <laughs> I have to hang out, Natalie. It's the reason they called it the, the old version of it, the embassy, because it was like we were in a foreign country and uh, we were the only people who cared about America. Imagine uh, that. But that's the, something the you've been doing. The island of liberty. Exactly. But why don't you walk us through? we got a few minutes before we got to jump to break. We'll obviously hold you through, but what the heck just happened? on the defense appropriations vote. So uh, basically, we've been having these discussions for months now about trying to get leadership to give us the total value of the 12 appropriation bills so that we could begin passing them. And they refused to do so, and they refused to do so. Uh, we did pass uh, military, uh, MILCON, military construction and VA, and everybody held hands and, and went into it with faith and confidence and said, okay, we'll, we'll pass that one. So we did that uh, before the August uh, break, if you will. And, and we came back and said, we demand to see the total value of the remaining uh, uh, appropriation bills so that we can see that you're working towards the $1.471 trillion non-defense discretionary and they haven't produced it. They haven't produced it. And so today we went down on the floor. They brought the, uh, the defense um, appropriations bill up and we just voted against the rule. And it was and, you and, would, and four of your colleagues, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was Dan Bishop. Uh, Biggs, Andy Biggs, it was Ralph Norman and Ken Buck and myself. And I, I definitely want to get into this after the break, but Representative Mike Garcia, he said, oh, I'll read the quote, I think they're good Americans, but they're confused and they just handed a win to the Chinese Communist Party as a result of this yeah, vote. So dramatic, so <laughs> dramatic. I, I think now that leadership understands we are serious about what we are trying to do, which is save our country from the Chinese Communist Party. And by devaluing the dollar and spending uh, off limits, you know, with, with, with no uh, responsibility whatsoever, they are the ones that are threatening our, our country. I've always said it's the establishment Republicans when push comes to shove, they always use the Chinese Communist Party as a cop out, right? Because it's sort of a bipartisan issue that you can pretend to be tough on. And the fact that that's the angle that they're going with shows you that they have nothing because you guys they are in nothing. the right. Exactly. And speaking of having nothing, I know you guys are supposed to have a vote uh, on the rule for the CR, but they scrapped that today. We'll get into that after the break. Um, but War Room Posse, in the meantime, during this commercial break, I want you to call 202-225-3121. You can, of course, call people like Representative Rosendale to give them a pat on the back for voting the right way. But more importantly, you got to call the people who are voting the wrong way, the America last way, and make sure that they know there are ramifications for not putting this country first. Primaries are really the least of their concerns. Like I said, we got Representative Rosendale in studio with us. As long as he wants to stay, you are more than Welcome to be here. Uh, we also got, I think, Darren Beatty, James Bacon, Joe Allen, depending how long Representative Rosedale wants to stay. But like I said, you're more than welcome to stay here because the war is so much here. more fun when there's Good more people here. than just our production team. No, no shade to our production team. But we'll be right back after this break. The former KGB colonel, Vladimir Putin, who, by the way, is no friend of the United States, called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS conference in South Africa as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to fall. We call this 
the de-dollarization movement. Now, as demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar weakens. That is why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text Bannon, that's B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 for your free info kit on gold. With thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Text Bannon to 989898. That's Bannon at 989898 to claim your free information kit. Use your agency. Do it today. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. It's still Natalie Winters, though you guys probably know it's not Stephen K. Bannon. Maybe the hair, the shirt, a little different. But we got Representative Rosendale, of course, a fan favorite of the War Room, hanging with us talking about what just happened, not just on the defense appropriations uh, rule vote. I believe I got the uh, moniker correct there. Uh, but also with, of course, the CR, the rules vote on that, too. And I have to say... An 8% cut just agency-wide, not only is that lazy as, you know, Matt or Congressman Gates has been in here talking about how we need to go agency by agency and talk about meaningful substantive cuts. I mean, even 8% wasn't enough for Joe Biden. He wanted 10% for the big guy. We got to at least get 10%. I think we should. And and we were not going to realize, okay, let's get real. We were not going to realize an 8% cut off of any agency. That's just false and misleading. This Mm -hmm. is what I tried to explain to my colleagues. I said, guys, you know that any of the provisions that you're talking about inserting into this CR, none of them will ever materialize. If I thought for a moment that they might materialize, that I could go back to the people across the state of Montana and say, guess what? We're going to secure the border or we're going to make great strides towards securing the border. We're going to make some reasonable cuts across these agencies. We're going to uh, cut dramatically out of the Department of Justice so that we can stop this weaponization that's being utilized against American citizens. And I've witnessed it firsthand. Okay, or the IRS, where where 20 armed IRS agents, full body armor, raided a gun store in, in Great Falls, Montana. But I couldn't look at my constituents and say that with a straight face because we know that none of those provisions were going to materialize. And I said, that's why I won't support the CR. And I've said for months that I wouldn't support any CR, Natalie, because quite frankly, by very definition, it is nothing more than a continuation of Nancy Pelosi's spending and Joe Biden's policies. Why would I vote? And I voted against that for the last two years. So why would I vote now to extend it for 30 days, 60 days? There was people that wanted to extend that into next year, six months. Okay, And I said, I I just cannot support those uh, provisions. Why is it that we all came to Congress? We understand that the proper way to fund government, the responsible way, the transparent way to fund government is to pass the individual 12 appropriation bills once we see what the total value of those 12 bills are. Every state legislature across the nation functions that way. They do not dribble 
their appropriation bills in one at a time. I served in the Montana legislature in the House and the Senate, served on appropriations. We bring everything in, great big three-ring binder. You know exactly what the total cost is going to be, and you can see what policies are going to be implemented. Congress can do that. And, and so now here we are, the same as Nancy Pelosi has done, and waits till the final hour, the midnight hour, and all of a sudden you have to rush this this document through to keep government open. And, and I, unfortunately, uh, failure to plan on leadership's part does not create an emergency on my part. It's like, do your job. You know, you go out to the football game. Guy has a field goal kicker. Do your job. You got one job. Kick the field goal. Well, the job of leadership is to direct the appropriation committees to do their work. I will participate. I will stay there. I will do my part and then bring that that work back to us, that product back to us so that we can see the total value of those bills and begin to pass them. And they haven't done it. And so now I would like to think that we got their attention. They see that we do mean business. We're not going to pass a CR to, to push this thing through. Again, Nancy Pelosi's spending, and, and we're going to find out what the total of those appropriation bills are, and then we can have a discussion about, about passing them. Now, there seems to be a level of arrogance, I think, when I see these clips of Speaker McCarthy and the, the videos that he's tweeting trying to be funny. Really, his content is just d devoid of, of humor, but it seems like they don't take you guys seriously, but today's votes prove that they should. The fact that they had to pull the rules vote obviously indicates the same thing. So if you could, I think, just explain to the audience not only why their phone calls matter and why they need to keep calling and, and hammering, not just the good ones, your fellow colleagues who have been voting right, uh, but some of the squishy ones, sure. you never know. Um, but what exactly the significance today of pulling the rules vote on the CR was? That is absolutely a direct result. I I'm convinced of the posse, of, of your audience calling up members and saying, we need you to support those members that have already come out and stated they will not support a CR. And by doing so, we grew that opposition from probably about eight or 10, 11 members to very nearing to two dozen. Once leadership heard that were there was about two dozen members that were probably going to vote against the CR, that became overwhelming um, force uh, for them to deal with. And, and, and so that's why they didn't bring it to the floor. They saw that it wasn't just going to be defeated. It was going to be defeated by a large enough group that they just couldn't uh, point us out as outcasts, radicals, rabble rousers, you know, call us what you will. I like to say truth seekers, but mm -hmm. They, they weren't going to be able to isolate us. The group was too large. And that's why you and your audience made such a big difference in the process today. It, it played out in real time. And of the, I think you said it's about two dozen hard no's, is leadership trying very hard to get those votes to flip? Or do you think oh, sure they are they going to the Democrats to try to pick up the votes? No, the, I really believe that they're going to continue to work on those individuals to try and get those votes flipped, okay? Because I don't see that the Democrats are going to pass that CR with the provisions that have been inserted into it, okay? Once it goes to the Senate, 
the Senate surely will strip all of that language out. They will strip out the border security. They will strip out any kind of savings, okay, whatsoever. They will strip out all of the language that, that removes the weaponization of the uh, our government against us. Then when they send it back, and it's going to be basically what we've been hearing about, a clean uh, CR, the, a clean continuing resolution, where all it does is literally and nothing but extends Nancy Pelosi's spending and Joe Biden's policies, then you'll get Democrat votes on it. But 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 when it's in, in the House on the first round, I, I think they're going to try and work on flipping as many Republican votes as they possibly can because they're going to need them. I always say if leadership spent as much time fighting Democrats and the Biden regime and as hard as they did you guys and your colleagues like Representative Gates and all the other America First patriots, imagine the country that we would have. It um, would look a lot better. A it lot, would look a lot better. A heck of a lot better. And speaking of promises and in some cases, I think, you know, shiny toys that are meant to distract. And I know we've got a few minutes and you're, you're more than welcome to stay. But if you've got to go, you're more than welcome to go, too. Um, it seemed like a week ago, you know, the news cycle, everything was focused focused on how Kevin McCarthy was getting ready to introduce an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. And now they're talking about subpoenaing Hunter Biden and kind of all these, like I said, shiny toys. So where do you think we, we stand on that? Is that stuff going to materialize or do you think it is also just sort of points of deflection and just trying to get the base to th- be OK? I think that those are all being used as tools uh, by uh, Kevin McCarthy to try and force us to pass the spending measures, whether it's in the form of a CR and or the appropriation bills, because we can't do anything until uh, those bills are passed. So that's what he's going to say. We're not going to be able to do the, the impeachment inquiry uh, against Joe Biden. He, he won't be able to. He, he says these, these are his words. He won't be able to uh, bring the subpoenas forward on on Hunter Biden. Uh, we're not going to be able to uh, reduce the weaponization of the government against us. All they have to do is total up the 12 bills. Do the job, okay? Show us what the value of the 12 appropriation bills are, and then we can fund government responsibly. We can do it transparently. We will walk through the process. And, and they haven't done it for years. It, it's just a shame. And, and everything else that he says is nothing more than a distraction to to keep his uh, self-covered from, from forcing Kevin to direct the appropriation committees to do that work. I want to zoom out here real quick while I still have you and talk about these, you know, committees, the weaponization committee oversight, the investigations that they've been conducting, which are substantive and I think do have some merit. But if you sort of zoom out to the macro perspective, right, on what we're actually getting in terms of action as a result of those committees, do you think it's fair to say that from the onset, just like we see Speaker McCarthy weaponizing the impeachment against Joe Biden right now as sort of a political tool, do you think these committees were always set up to be not necessarily controlled opposition, but just sort of red meat for the base with no action actually intended to come out of them? I, I do, uh, unfortunately. I, I think that uh, they, they were set up to try and bring forward a lot of information that we already are very aware of. But unfortunately, we have a Department of Justice that a lot of us have lost confidence in. And it is going to take a uh, president like Trump to go in 
to start uh, removing people from their positions, and I don't mean just two or three at the top. We're going to have to go very deep into these agencies and remove these rogue uh uh, players, if you will, that are in the the government that are working against the American people. And once we do that and start having some true, impartial, okay, unbiased uh, investigation and charging and prosecutions of, of people, then we're going to start having justice again in America. Right now, I'm concerned, and a lot of people are concerned, that the uh, the statement of equal justice under the law is just a slogan, and, and it's very frustrating and disappointing. We have to get back, and the only way that we are going to get back to equal justice under the law is when we have a, a President Trump who goes in and removes all these rogue players and, and gets them out of the way. And no coincidence, the New York Times yesterday with the article, Biden administration aims to Trump-proof the federal workforce. Congressman, if people want to stay up to date with everything you're working on, everything you're doing, where can they go and find you? They can find me, official side, at Rep. Rosendale, all my uh, social media platforms, at Rep. Rosendale. If they want to see the unofficial side, they can go to mattformontana.com. Matt, F-O-R, Montana.com. We always need their help and support because there's any people that are trying to get rid of the fighters like me. He's a must follow, a true patriot and a true hero. Warren Posse, we'll be right back after this break. Do you get the feeling that the unthinkable is going to happen soon? Well, I do. But between the distractions and smoke screens in the media, we probably won't see it coming. That's why it's smart to invest in emergency food right away. As they say, it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. My Patriot Supply is the nation's leader in high-quality emergency food. Let me repeat that. My Patriot Supply is the nation's leader in high-quality emergency food. Head to MyPatriotSupply.com and prepare today with emergency food that will stay fresh for up to 25 years. Enjoy a wide variety of delicious food kits offering over 2,000 calories every day for optimum strength under stress and don't forget about water filtration and purification products these are perfect for your bug out bag survival supply or your camping pack one thing is for sure in this world we all need to stock up before panic sets in order by 3 p.m and your items ship the same day go to mypatriotsupply.com that's mypatriotsupply.com it's time to prepare for what is coming so prepare with the best. MyPatriotSupply.com. Take action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. Thank you again to Congressman Rosendale for joining us. But don't worry, we'll go back to our regular programming. We're going to have very shortly James Bacon joining us, Darren Beatty. Joe Allen, but I just have to say, as we're going to do momentarily, but just as we were doing with Ed Dowd, we walk you through every day on this show, chapter and verse, the weaponization of the federal government, not just against the American people, but particularly against the MAGA movement, against really what is the global populist movement. And what 
his colleagues who aren't America first, which frankly is the majority of Congress want to do to this country, is continue to fund the weaponization of the federal government. They want to continue to fund the election interference against Donald J. Trump meant to kneecap him and take him out of the presidential race with bogus charges for actions that the Democrats have been doing, really, for time immemorial. And all this talk about, oh, we're giving, you know, Joe Biden and his regime a blank check to do whatever he wants. That's too euphemistic and too damn cutesy a term to describe what Joe Biden and his lackeys are doing to this country. We're basically giving, I mean, we're funding our own demise. It is a, a masochistic way of running this country that we want to continue to give them infinite amounts of your taxpayer dollars to continue the weaponization of this federal government that has led to dozens, hundreds of January 6th protesters, people who love this country, being thrown in jail. We're financing our own political suicide. It shouldn't be lost on anyone. I believe it was either yesterday or today. A 22-year-old individual, young man, who went to January 6th, just went inside the Capitol because he loves this country. He committed suicide because of the weaponization of this federal government against him because of the likes of Joe Biden, Matthew Graves, Merrick Garland, all of these horrible people. This right now, that 8% cut, that is the managed decline of this country. And Representative Mike Garcia, you want to sit up there and talk about giving the Chinese Communist Party a win, a victory? How about tanking this country's economy to the point where our children and grandchildren can't even afford to buy anything because we're so beholden to the Chinese Communist Party, thanks to the de-dollarization being witnessed under Joe Biden's regime? Like I said, even Joe Biden wanted a 10% cut for the big guy. 8% is insulting. And I'll leave it at that. Now, what we were talking about before I ranted and before we went to break um, had to do with that New York Times article where, where they talk about how Joe Biden is panicking about the fact that Donald Trump is going to win in 2024 and gut the deep state, take it down, burn it down, as far as I'm concerned. James Bacon, you used to run the presidential personnel office. You were the director of operations there. You know this like the back of your hand. First of all, can you walk us through what exactly Joe Biden is so scared of and what he's trying to do with the federal government to sort of preempt what is Donald Trump's inevitable takedown of the administrative state? Yes. So they're trying to prevent us from restoring accountability to the federal workforce. What Schedule F does is it makes it so that the president can fire bureaucrats who are obstructing the policy. These are the top level bureaucrats. I call them the the real deep state. It's the expert class. It's about the 20 to 50,000 bureaucrats who truly control the levers of power at these agencies. Right now, the president, their boss, cannot fire them. Okay, that's how bad this is. In fact, the president cannot fire 99.8% of the federal workforce. So that's 2.25 million people, and he can only fire about 4,000 of them. That's a travesty. All the Trump administration is saying is that we want to restore accountability so that if these bureaucrats at the top are obstructing the president's policies, they should be able to be fired. And that's not a radical idea. You know, when they first introduced civil service protections in this country in the late 1800s, it only protected employees who had extremely technical jobs, about 10% of the federal workforce. These are people turning the lights on in the buildings. 
Now those protections apply to 99.8% of the workers. It's ridiculous. Now, James, it shouldn't be lost on anyone right now what we see going on in New York, the United Nations, the World Economic Forum. They're having their weird little evil meeting where they plan out our futures with, of course, not our consent. Um, Zelensky's up there. He's been saying some pretty great commentary. Joe Biden's been bumbling like an old fool. Um, But I'd love to get your thoughts before I let you go just on what is the sort of global nature, the global aspect of the administrative state. In other words, while it's important to go after the administrative state here, how do you think Trump is going to be able to go after what is sort of the outsourcing, I think, of a lot of this bureaucratic work? For example, you know, the WHO pandemic treaty, um, seeding a lot of these sustainable development goals to the United Nations and what they've charted for our future to be. How do you think we roll back that level of assault on or administrative, the administrative state? How do you think we go after them on the more international aspect? You have to withdraw from several international organizations. There's offices in the State Department that control our participation in these organizations. Those offices need to be looked at very closely. You need to put America First political appointees in charge of those offices that interact with these diplomatic bodies overseas. You need to have people that are representing America's interests if we're even participating in these organizations at all. A lot of this stuff is at the State Department. You need to really be cutting back on the massive bureaucracy that is the State Department. It's called the Deep State Department for a reason. It's it's been infiltrated by by left wing uh, bureaucrats going back about 100 years. This is nothing new. So it's one of the worst departments that needs to be looked at closely. And if you solve things like that in the State Department, in the United States Agency for International Development, you're going to see a lot of these global um, shackles that are on the United States start to evaporate. That sounds pretty nice. No more global shackles. James Bacon, sir, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to follow you and stay up to date with what you're working on, where can they find you? They can just look me up on YouTube, uh, Personnel Wars of the Trump Administration. Just watch that speech and you'll get the full idea. I think that's the first time we've ever had someone, when we ask for their coordinates, they give us a very specific YouTube speech to go to. But I like that. <laughs> James, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> and I think we have Darren J. Beatty, another alum of the Trump administration, great speechwriter. And I think you were on some board before Joe Biden forced you to get off of it. Something tells me it wasn't Goocher College. Um, But Darren, if you could walk us through, we have some pretty big breaking news when it comes to Ray Epps. I guess he was charged with, get this, a misdemeanor or disorderly or disruptive conduct on restricted grounds. Can you walk us through, I'm sure the audience knows who Ray Epps is, but sort of the significance of this, what it means, what you think the, the signal, not the noise is here. Absolutely. Um, It's a major development in the January 6th Fedsurrection saga and indeed a bizarre development. Here's Ray Epps, who I think by now is familiar to pretty much all of your audience and most of the country at this point. Thanks largely to our reporting on this individual that includes video documentation of his absolutely egregious behavior, both on the 5th and the 6th that included, among other things, urging the crowd to go into the Capitol, into the Capitol, 
a day in advance. Now, two and a half years later, over two and a half years later, the DOJ finally decides to charge him with something. And what they come up with is some petty, ridiculous, sloppy, bungling, absolutely unconvincing joke of a misdemeanor indictment for, as you said, disorderly conduct on restricted grounds. And so just a number of things contextually that are worth pointing out. One is this comes on the heels of some insane sentences handed down to head of the uh, head of the Proud Boys, Enrique Tarrio, 22 years. Joe Biggs got 17 years. People say Ray Epps didn't go into the Capitol, which is true. But Enrique Tarrio, who got 22 years, didn't go into the Capitol. In fact, Tarrio wasn't even present in D.C. on the sits. The reason that Tarrio got such a severe sentence, and he was charged with seditious conspiracy and so forth, is that the government maintained that, in effect, Tarrio orchestrated or played a key role in orchestrating the events of January 6th. Except the government, in my view, did not present a convincing case that Tarrio orchestrated January 6th. Ironically, Ray Epps, in his own words, in his own text message to his nephew, acknowledges that he was on the front lines and, quote, orchestrated it, referring to the events of January 6th. And you don't have to take Epps's direct word for it. As I said, you can go on revolver.news and watch the compilation of video evidence making very clear and persuasive case that Epps was involved in every stage of that initial breach, from telling people to go into the Capitol to being there on the day of directing people to the Capitol, essentially skipping Trump's speech, and then being pre-positioned right at that initial uh, breach point. And so the question is, why didn't he get a more severe charge when easily conspiracy charges, trespassing charges, the same obstruction of a official proceeding that the government gave, not just to Tario, the head of the Proud Boys, but to many other lesser figures? Just one example, Thomas Caldwell, um, they say was an oath keeper. That's contentious, but we know he wasn't violent. He didn't go into the Capitol, and yet he was charged with seditious conspiracy, among other things. So one question is, why, what didn't, why did Epps just get a misdemeanor despite what's available on documentary evidence, his own statement that he orchestrated it, and the fact that his behavior was considered so egregious that he was one of the first 20 people the FBI itself added to its most wanted list. In fact, they only took him off the list. Now this sort of legendary lore, but it's true. They only took him off the list literally the day after Revolver published one of its biggest pieces exploring the possibility of federal involvement in January 6th. Literally the next day they took him off that list with no explanation. So one question is, why just a misdemeanor? Then the next question is, why on earth would they wait over two and a half years for this sloppy misdemeanor? Like, it's such a sloppy mop-up job. It's such a bungling attempt to cover things up and to salvage their utterly decimated narrative. It's just making things worse for them because it's so manifestly obvious what they're trying to do at this point.
you know, maybe if they had given him this misdemeanor charge like March of 2021, See, if I were running the show at the DOJ, thank God I'm not because I would be much more competent than these morons running it on behalf of the regime in the deep state. If I were running it, I'd say slap him with a misdemeanor charge March of 2021. That will muddy the water and make it very difficult for those evil conspiracy theorists at Revolver.News to disrupt the narrative that we want to shove down everyone's throats. But no, they don't do it in March 2021. They wait until September of 2023. Too little, too late, little Garland, little Merrick. Too little, too late, Mr. Christoph. <laughs> and Mr. Christoph speaking Reyes. of coming up late against a break, Darren, we got to let you go. But real quick, before we have to jump, where can people find you and go to Revolver to stay up to date with the latest stories? Revolver.news, the latest on this. We're going to publish a full analysis sometime tonight or early tomorrow morning, so don't miss that. For now, we've got all the latest coverage on it. So stay tuned. Big stuff coming with Ray Epps and more. We'll be patiently awaiting, and we'll be awaiting us to come back from this break. 90 seconds. We'll be right back. Are you tired of progressive corporations and exhausted trying to keep up with all the virtue signaling when you're simply trying to buy products? Progressive corporate America continues to push messaging that further alienates conservative Americans, all while eroding the future of the American dream. It's prominent all over the country. Companies like Starbucks strong-arming their customers to support abortion. Financial services like PayPal canceling customers for their political views. Makeup companies like Maybelline making a mockery of women by supporting transgender models, and beer companies like Bud Light forcing gender ideology on you when all you want is to enjoy a cold beer. Thankfully, we don't have to fund these companies any longer with our hard-earned dollars. With Public Square, we now have a solution. It's simple. Join the movement of millions of patriotic Americans who love truth, our country, and our Constitution at publicsq.com. That's publicsq. Public Square is an app and website where you can get connected to tens of thousands of businesses from all different industries that share your value for life, family, and freedom. Whether you're looking to buy coffee, find a new athletic clothing that knows what a woman is, and shop for clean skin care, or simply find a new restaurant in your community that won't lecture you about your political views, PublicSQ.com is your resource. Public Square also offers discounts to many high-quality businesses on the platform so that you can actually receive incentive for spending money with companies that don't hate you. Public Square is free to join as consumer or a business owner, and you can get started today at publicsq.com. Remember, either as a consumer or a business owner, download the app now. That's publicsq.com, publicsq.com. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I get pretty tired of having my intelligence being insulted by our so-called betters over on the Hill, these establishment Republicans. And you heard it from Congressman Rosendale. You heard it here first, that your calls actually are making a difference, which is why it's so important that you got to keep doing that. 
Otherwise, we're going to have people like Congressman Mike Garcia, again, going after his colleagues, true heroes. you got Biggs, Buck, Rosendale, Norman, and Bishop, the only people courageous to stand up against what is the continued funding of the military-industrial complex. I want to read this quote again for good measure. It's on Steve Sketter, too. I think they're good Americans, but they're confused, and they just handed a win to the Chinese Communist Party as a result of this vote. You know what? Every day that the House has refused to impeach Joe Biden, has refused to subpoena Hunter Biden, has refused to really get in to the nitty gritty of the selling out of this country to the Chinese Communist Party because Kevin McCarthy is too busy being on the take of Sequoia Capital that we can't actually investigate how far they've embedded themselves in this country. By the way, the same goes for ByteDance, the same goes for TikTok, the same goes for all these Chinese Communist Party influence groups. By the way, Mike Garcia and Kevin McCarthy, you want to talk about giving free reign to the Chinese Communist Party? How about the fact that your China committee is staffed by what could probably best be described as a neocon's wet dream? You got Mike Gallagher, people who don't even know what it's like to be tough on the Chinese Communist Party. If it hit them in their face, and that's coming from me as someone who's dedicated years of my life to to exposing this evil regime, and the best we can get is someone creating these bizarre panels with this neocon experts and they're talking about Confucius Institutes. Yeah, 2016 called and they want their talking points back. These people are absolute jokes. And like I said, you know when they say CCP, when that's their first line of defense, that's how you know they're losing because that's the only angle of attack that they have. And by the way, the fact that they're having to pull these votes, it shows you that your calls matter. So keep it up, War Room Posse. I am very proud to be the co-host and executive editor of the show. Now, we got a cold open to play or a clip for Joe Allen, and then he's going to riff until the end of the show. So, Denver, if you want to roll it, go ahead. As a leader of a country that is an AI player and could be a big player if we have our way, and I think we will, then we want to increase the blessings for not only for ourselves but for all of humanity. We've done that with other technological innovations that came out of Israel but and many other places. But the real question is, what do we do What do we do internationally? What do we do globally? The single biggest rebuttal that I've gotten um, among leaders in the West is that, well, sure, the West might regulate AI, AI, but what about China? Because to your point about which countries will have significant leadership in AI, China is certainly one of them, Um, one of the the very top, potentially number one. So I went went to China, met with uh, some of the senior leadership, and I talked about the risks of AI and... um, you know, one of the points I made is that if you make it, if you create a digital superintelligence, that digital superintelligence could be in charge of, of China instead of the CCP being in charge of China. And I think that argument yeah, did resonate. Must have gotten some attention. Yeah, the CCP prefers to be in charge. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, you know, what about dry house we got here? Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they understand the argument like, look, if you create digital God and now that is the boss of you, you know, that's not something that appeals to them. I'm actually the the thinker who I think had the best foresight about how the AI revolution was going to play out is actually Ray Kurzweil. Um, You know, he... I agree. First of all, he says AGI 2029. Yeah, I keep telling people, it seems to be almost exactly right. It's it's spooky. It's spooky. Um, 2030s is when the merge happens. Uh, So we've got Neuralink coming. And what does it mean once you actually are kind of merging with with an intelligence? If uh, ultimately hundreds of millions of billions of people get um, a high bandwidth interface to their 
digital tertiary self, their AI self effectively, then that, that seems like that probably leads to a better future for, for humanity. What do you think will happen to the job market? I do think AI is not like every previous technology, right? I think that it might be the case that actually many more jobs go away than get created and there's a lot of chaos and turmoil, but I think we got to be ahead of it. We could also, I think, very likely end up in a situation where people have no jobs because there are no people anymore, where we literally go extinct. Joe Allen, what the heck did we just watch? <laughs> so that was yesterday in California. Elon Musk, uh, Bibi Netanyahu, uh, Max Tegmark, you heard at the end there, Greg Brockman of OpenAI. The most important element for the audience to take away from this is that in Israel, they understand that we are in the midst of a technological revolution that will transform basically everything, whether the tech is everything it's supposed to be or not. In China, they understand that we are in the midst of a technological revolution that will basically determine the paradigms of the future. In America, I fear that too many, outside of the war room posse and a few other circles, too many are afraid that nanobots or terminators are going to kill everybody or they simply don't care they're on to the next dopamine hit i think that uh, i hope that our reporting here has informed the audience to the extent that they are ready for what is coming down the pike uh, but i fear that our politicians are nowhere near there they are simply preparing themselves for regulatory capture and i sense that the companies that elon musk is describing these AI companies, including, by the way, from Israel, a company called Authentics. Many know that Elon Musk uh, announced that Twitter biometric data is now up for grabs. And so that data must be processed by somebody. That will be Authentics, the Israeli firm. Um, as we move into this new paradigm that is determined by and large by tech oligarchs and their various lackeys in the uh, government and also by the military industrial complex and the technologies they wield as we move into this it's going to be very important that people understand what motivates it the players involved in it the technologies that are at play and of course what are the stakes and my argument as you well know you beat me to it <laughs> as you well know well please natalie uh let them know um, let me hold it yeah i think it looks a lot better when you hold it <laughs> Dark, I still don't even know how to pronounce it. Dark Aeon, Dark Eon, you can choose. Tomato, tomato. But you got to get it because he's going to walk you through all the scary stuff that they, they want to do to us. Uh, every <laughs> single thing you heard there about Ray Kurzweil, Elon Musk's role, uh, and of course Max Tegmark's ideas about Life 3.0, all of that is covered in depth in Dark Eon. And God knows we can't trust Kevin McCarthy, let alone Kamala Harris or any of our intellectual betters to defend us from trans humanism and transgenders, might I add. <laughs> Warren Posse, thank you for hanging with me. Steve will be back for the 6 p.m. hour. Things will be breaking down Joe Biden's UN speech. So that is a must watch as far as I'm concerned. Warren Posse, thank you for hanging with me. Have a good one. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. 
A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.